Hello. Hello. I am Kenna. I am Koel. Welcome back to Diagnosing, Diagnosing a Killer. It's been some time, y'all. I'm so sorry <laughs> that we have had probably a week-long hiatus. I forgot my research. Like, I forgot about it. I had to go back and read it. Yeah, it's... We were both finishing school. We're mm-hmm. fucking done with school, and I'm so excited, but it was a damn stressful week, or week, so thank yeah. you guys for bearing with us. I had some people asking me, shout out Luis, who was like, hey, uh, when's the next episode coming out? Like, I've been waiting for it, and I'm yeah. like, oh my gosh, that's so cool. <laughs> So thank you guys for waiting patiently, and we do have a new case for you today. Woo! Before we talk about the case, I have some news. She literally told me like 30 minutes ago that she had something exciting to tell me, but she was going to wait to tell me on the episode. So, it so. Was, I actually have like, like the adrenaline kind of going. Yeah. So, mm-hmm. speaking of news, um, I don't think we've mentioned this on the podcast yet. I had the pleasure of meeting Clark Finney from Great Day SA uh, about a week and a half ago at mm-hmm. a different meeting of the stars from Hell's Kitchen. I brought my mom and we actually met her. She ended up being there as well. We got to talking and she wanted to do a segment on Great Day SA about our podcast. Mm-hmm. Well, she emailed me this morning and wants to shoot tomorrow. That's so. exciting. <laughs> We gonna be famous. <laughs> she says that almost every episode. <laughs> so we're gonna be we famous. gonna be famous. Hey, just wait, <laughs> mark silly. my words. Anyways, that's so, really yeah. exciting. Um, yeah, that's... I need to go shopping for a dress. It's all but something. terrifying and exciting. Maybe all at I don't want to do a dress. Maybe I want to do a pantsuit. Hell yeah, I really want to do a pantsuit. Let's look businessy as fuck. I would love that. Let's do it. Let's dress up. I'm down. Okay, let's go shopping. Let's gender bend this shopping. stuff. Yeah. That's just wear so a onesie. Cool. <laughs> just wear a onesie. <laughs> Can I just wear my pajamas? A giraffe onesie. Yes. <laughs> Anyways, yeah, isn't that so fucking cool? That's really exciting. Oh my gosh. So, I mean, she has 10,000 followers on Instagram. I know that's not like an abundance <laughs> of followers, but... Like, I want at least half of those. <laughs> I was going to say, that's like 9,500 more than me. Mm-hmm. So... Yeah. <laughs> Anyways, that's my news. <laughs> We're going <laughs> to... Excuse me. <laughs> Sorry. We're going to get into the case today. It's the Yerba Mate. Coming to you live from Kenna. I have another Texas case for Ooh. us today. Okay. This was actually uh, suggested to me by my godmother. Shout out, Mary. Mm. And yeah, so we're going to do this case today. We are talking about Clara Suarez Harris. Her maiden name is Suarez. Her married name is Harris. Clara Suarez Harris was born on February 3rd, 1958 in Bogota, Colombia, and was raised by her widowed mother. Uh, as she got older, she wanted to make a better life for herself, so she began studying dentistry in the late 80s, and she eventually moved to Houston, Texas. Okay. I could not find a lot about her childhood. Yeah. It was hardly, I mean, it was, she moved co- from countries, and, you know, we talked about it with the well, Wong yeah. it's kind of lost Mental in translation. Re- well, that's like Dee Dee Blanchard. She moved from Louisiana to wherever Dee Dee Blanchard was living, but <laughs> whenever they moved, all those medical records that yeah. Gypsy had were completely destroyed mm-hmm. in Hurricane Katrina and all that other stuff. Yeah. So especially if you move countries, that mm-hmm. makes sense. Oh, that you we don't need have... to do that case. Oh, no. It's so good. It's so good. Um, so it did say that Clara was crowned Miss Columbia Houston in a local contest uh, wow. very soon after completing her residency at the University of Texas's uh, Houston Dental Branch. So hmm. she got her degree in 
dentistry. Super smart, super pretty. Yeah, of course. She was, yeah, very pretty. Or is. Um, So soon after this, in 1991, Clara met a man named David Lynn Harris. They were both in their early 30s and both working at the Castle Dental Center in Houston. Hmm. Uh, David was not only brilliant as well when it came to teeth, but he had graduated second in his class also from the Houston Dental Branch. They went to the same school. Was he also a beauty queen? <laughs> yeah, he was also <laughs> Mr. Columbia Houston. Yeah. <laughs> he had a, a really charming, folksy nature. People would, uh, you know, comment about how, you know, nice he was and how charismatic. Uh, they said his favorite word was golly. So was <laughs> oh, golly. Golly, gee. Golly, gee. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. <laughs> Still using that in the 90s. <laughs> Clarabelle. <laughs> Uh, it was also noted that he had as many as 120 crooked teeth teenagers coming into his office every single day. Like, he was mm. a very well-known, very popular dentist. Cool. A lot of people around town used him. Uh, so David's father, Gerald, was later noted as saying, quote, I remember David calling me soon after he met Clara and telling me that he was completely smitten. I remember. I don't yeah. like that phrase. Oh, yeah. Oh, I don't <laughs> like that phrase. I remember. Spoiler oh. alert. Hey, you can have <sighs> memories when someone's still alive. Sure. They might just be divorced. <laughs> sure. Uh, so the two... That's ma- not what this podcast is about. <laughs> it's not called divorcing a divorcing killer. Divorcing a killer. Or just not a killer. Diagnosing a divorce. <laughs> <laughs> oh, God, it's terrible. The two got married on February 14th, 1992. Oh, Valentine's, Valentine's Day. Day. Uh, this was less than a year after their first date, and they mm-hmm. got married at the Nassau Bay Hilton, which is about 30 miles south of downtown Houston. Okay. It's uh, also across the highway from the looming Johnson Space Center, Ooh. and not far from where David would eventually open his first practice called Space Center Orthodontics. Cute. Yeah, cute, right? Was he like pediatric dentistry? or I think so. Or, or maybe just all he, around. Yeah. Like all ages. But I mean, you know. It seems no- like he kind of attaches to the younger generation. Yeah. Well, he was an orthodontist. They usually deal with, you know, braces, braces and things like yeah. that, which is, you know, normally, I mean, of I course. need them right now as an adult, yeah. but usually kids have them. <laughs> yeah. So it was noted once that Clara had an interview with a reporter. I'm not exactly sure why. I think it was because of the practices that were being mm. open. But she was quoted as saying about David, quote, I found the best and I found the one that God had reserved for me. Oh. Really sweet. Uh, she actually opened her own dental practice in 93, mm-hmm. so they both had their own practices. She had put uh, photographs of the two of them in her office, replacing them with new ones every month, which I think is really sweet. Like, the like, current pictures, you know? <laughs> and uh, she was noted as talking to David at least two or three times a day on the phone when she wasn't with him and never hanging up before saying, I love you. Oh, it seems Ugh, like they really goals. love each other. Right? Now, they had twin boys together, Brian and Bradley, oh, uh, born Bradley. in 1998. And David had also had another daughter from a previous marriage. Her name was Lindsay. She was a talented violinist who lived with him in the summers after spending the school year with her mom who lived, oh, okay. who lived in Ohio. Yeah. So she would only visit and stay for it's the gotta summer. It's going to be exciting to have siblings, though. Little right? baby siblings. I know, the babies. So no matter how many patients Clara had to see, she always was noted as getting home in time to cook dinner for her family. Uh, they were noted as having a white brick house that was worth more than a half million dollars. Oh, shit. And they lived in the cheerily named suburb of Friendswood. Friendswood. Isn't that cute? That sounds so made up. It sounds like a movie. Yeah. And it's like, no. That's sounds so like a, stupid. That's sounds like, like a Tim Burton movie, but <laughs> <laughs> yeah, it's true. It sounds like a movie. She often told her patients that she had the perfect life. And she was quoted as saying by one of her coworkers, quote, for Clara, it was always David, David, David. I used to tell people that I wish I could be able to love my husband in the same way that Clara loved David. So where's the poop? Here it comes. Okay. On July 24th, 2002, David Harris, 
had made the decision to not spend that night with his wife. He was instead meeting a receptionist who worked at his office, a petite, stylish, 39-year-old mother of three named Gail Bridges. Less than two years earlier, Gail had divorced Stephen Bridges. He was a popular State Farm agent. Jake from State Farm. Stephen from State Farm. What are you wearing? Jake from State Farm. (laughs) She sounds hideous. (laughs) Well, Um, she's a guy, so... (laughs) She's a guy. (laughs) Uh, he had noted a, he was noted as having clients all over the suburbs uh, south of Houston, mm-hmm. and they too seemingly had the perfect life and perfect marriage. They had lived in an exclusive gated subdivision called uh, South Shore Harbor in League City. This suburb was just across Interstate 45 from Friendswood, so right around the corner. But after her divorce in November of 2000, she moved to a smaller home in an ungated neighborhood, and she eventually started looking for work. This is Gail. When she was hired by Space Center Orthodontics in August of 2001, she was making only about $1,800 a month, um, hardly the kind of money she was used to, but mm-hmm. she liked the job. She got along with her boss. And, Clearly. Yeah. Um, so Dr. Harris, David, started lingering at the front desk to talk to her. And in late February of 2002, he quietly asked her if she would like to have lunch at Perry's Steakhouse. <gasps> Perry's? I want to go back to Ruth's Chris. Oh, my gosh. Yeah, I know. Honestly, the best part about working there was getting 50% off. That was, like, I actually want the, the only good I cheesecake again. The cheesecake is so fucking With the good. circular crust. Oh, it's so mm. good. Mm-hmm. Now, um, by April or May... David and Gail had become intimate. Wait, when did she start working there? August of 2001, and this is now April so like, or May of 2002. So it's like seven, eight months. Yeah, like not very long after. Oh, homegirl. They began meeting at the Nassau Bay Hilton. Sound <gasps> familiar? What? Were they like... Where he got married. That's... Oh my god. Yeah. Why? He got oh, married that's 10 so years gross. prior. Um... Like, don't shit where you eat. So bringing it back to July 24th, 2002. Okay. At the Nassau Bay Hilton, that is where David had asked Gail to meet him that night. The night that he decided not to be with Clara. <sighs> he used cash to purchase a room under an assumed name. <laughs> and so together, <laughs> they walked into an elevator and headed upstairs. If that ever worked, nobody would ever be caught doing it. But it, it never works. I mean, and that really just shows his guilt. Like, he's paying cash. He's using not his own name. Yeah. You know, he's a well-known he doctor around He knows he's town. doing something wrong. When they came back down from their room about an hour later and exited the elevator, Clara and Lindsay were standing in the lobby. I know this case. I know this oh, case. Oh, bummer. <laughs> okay, I didn't, I didn't know that I knew this case until now. I'm going to bring it on Clara's side of the story and okay. just kind of go what from the beginning of that day and kind of go through what she okay. did. So that day, she was noted as putting on a silky blue blouse and cream-colored slacks, which sounds fucking hella cute. Uh, she brushed her hair and tied it in place with a little bow. And then she picked up Lindsay, David's at that time, 16-year-old daughter. And this isn't her bio daughter. No, this is her stepdaughter. Okay. So she's, she picked up Lindsay and took her for a drive in her silver S-Class 430 Mercedes-Benz. Damn. That means something because she was obsessed with that car. Really? Yes. Yeah, she was... Um, I mean, she loved that car. Like, mm-hmm. always wanted it. That was her dream car. And when she got it, she nice would car. never shut up about it. Oh, yeah, of course. Yeah. I'd be pretty prideful, too. So what Lindsay did not know was that Clara was planning on going to the hotel to confront David. I'm not sure how she got wind of what was happening Lindsay or where he know. was going. Lindsay didn't know. So Clara picked her up saying, we're going to go for a drive in my new car. We're going to go find your dad. Yeah. Lindsay didn't know. 
Um, so it's, again, it's unknown how she knew where he was, but somehow she got wind she and was going to go out. make it a point to say something to him. Do you think she maybe she followed him or anything? Yeah, or? maybe. I mean, she had also hired a private investigator, so that probably had something to do with oh, it. Oh, I see. <laughs> yes. Now, they get to the hotel, Clara and Lindsay get out of the car and go into the lobby. Okay. I think at this point, Lindsay kind of knows what's going on because yeah. she's like, what the hell? And I say that because of what happens next. What so David and Gail came down on the elevator. Um, it's unknown whether or not David was able to say anything to either one of them, but witnesses remember Clara lunging at Gail and screaming, quote, you bitch, he's my husband. And then she slapped her, grabbed her shirt, and ripped it off. Oh my god. Like, very violent. Wow. She just, like, lost her shit. I mean, yes. kind of who wouldn't, but at the same time, to physically attack someone. Yeah. Especially the woman. Well, I mean, if she worked she for knew him, he she knew he was married. married. Yeah, for sure. Um, she was also noted as shouting, quote, This is Dr. David Harris, and he's fucking this woman right here. <laughs> oh, so shit. she's, like, outing him in front of Every, the whole the lobby. <laughs> just looking like, what? She's, like, pointing, like, this is him, motherfuckers. <laughs> like, there were people at the bar, and, like, like oh, shit. <laughs> oh, shit. At the same time all of this was happening, this is really sad, Lindsay was noted as hitting her dad with her purse and screaming, quote, I hate you, I hate you, I hate you. Oh, man. Um, I mean... And she's young. She's, she's a teenager. So all she's hearing on the whole, probably the car ride over there is, your dad's a piece of shit, he's cheating he's, on me, this and that. We're gonna go catch him. Yeah. That's awful. To take her along, that's awful. Seriously. Oh, it gets worse. At this time, the hotel employees obviously tried to intervene, but Clara's rage kept building and she kept trying to get at Gail and kind of grab at her. Mm -hmm. uh, it was also noted that at one point, Clara and Gail were both, like, pulling on opposite sides of Gail's shirt, almost like tug of war. What? Like, they were saying, like, she was trying to rip her shirt off, or I guess pull her somehow. Yeah. Um, but finally, according to another witness, David put his hand on Clara's head and pushed her to the floor. Damn. Which... Honestly, that sounds kind of like funny to see. Like, you just grab her right in the forehead yeah. and shove her down. And at this time, a hotel employee quickly rushed Gail out of the hotel and to her car in the parking lot. Oh, okay. And this hotel had multiple different parking lots, so they oh, rushed okay. her to one side of the hotel. Uh -huh. And there's also a lot of witnesses. Eyewitness accounts are very unreliable, and they can be, so yeah. I want to make sure that that's clear. This is all just hearsay from the witnesses. It's assumed, yeah. Yes. Or presumed, rather. Now, at this point, the confrontation seemed to have come to an end. Hotel employees walked Clara and Lindsay back out to their Mercedes, which I told you there's multiple different parking lots. They were in a different parking lot yeah. than Gail's car. Okay. And then asked them to leave. Okay. Clara then started the car, but she didn't seem to be leaving. What do you mean? Like, she just sat there, or...? She started the car and didn't go anywhere. Yeah. Um, suddenly, it's noted that she gunned the engine and headed toward the parking lot where David and Gail were. David had gone out to see if Gail was okay where her car was. Yeah. So. She probably knew where he parked, too. Yeah. Again, she probably scouted. Oh, yeah. Absolutely. Um, so Clara hit Gail's car during this whole thing. What? She was aiming for David, because he was standing by the car. So she hit Gail's car, hitting David in the process, who was unable to get out of the way. Oh, no. This ended up launching him 25 <gasps> feet across the parking lot. How fucking fast was she going? Oh, I mean, she gunned it. Oh, my God. That's incredible. Um, Content warning. Witnesses at this time said that they heard Lindsay screaming. Mind you, she's in the passenger seat when this whole thing is happening. They mentioned that they saw her open the door and stick her feet on the ground. They said that she was either trying to attempt to stop the car or she was attempting to get out of the car. Yeah. Didn't Either one of those things did not work. Yeah. Uh, but again, after this, Clara hit the gas another time, aimed the car at David, who was now laying on the ground. 
Oh uh, she completely ran over him. Witnesses noting that the car, quote, bounced twice. And then she proceeded to turn around, hitting the gas again and running him over once more. Oh my god. There's no way you're not trying to kill that man. There's no way you're not. After this, she turned around, hit the gas, and ran over him a third time before coming to a stop. All the while, Lindsay in the passenger seat. Her, his daughter. His teenage daughter. That's, that is horrifying. According to one witness, at this point, Lindsay got out of the car after the car was stopped, rushed to the driver's side, and punched Clara in the face, just like I would. Yeah. Uh, she then was noted as collapsing on the ground and beginning to sob. Which is, oh, it just breaks my heart. That's so sad. When Clara eventually got out of the car, it seemed as if she didn't know what to do. She's kind of like, oh shit, like, you know. Uh, she finally walked over to David and was noted as staring at him, and then she too began to sob. Before the police arrived to, of course, arrest her, it's noted that she cradled him in her arms and begged him to breathe, and at this, she was noted as saying, quote, I'm sorry, over and over, and saying, quote, David, I'm so sorry, I love you. Which is like... How do you do that, though? You just did this heinous thing. Like, and then all of a sudden you just snap back and I you're mean, like, oh, shit. I get that people get mad and, like, there, of course, there's, like, what are they, like, crimes of passion. And yeah, and, like, have, blind rage and stuff yeah, like that. Yeah, like, you literally go to another place. And we'll talk about that. Um, at this point, of course, the police arrived and she was arrested and taken into custody. That's so sad. I know. I feel bad for Gail, too, a She has to see like, that. She she might, like, she probably has a lot of guilt. Of course. And she probably has a lot of, I mean, she clearly has a lot of feelings for this man. So yeah. watching that happen, God, I can't even imagine. Unfortunately, David did not survive this and he did die at the scene. That's so sad. Uh, the murder of David Harris made headlines actually all over the world with one of the English tabloids calling Clara the, quote, driller killer. Or maybe driller they said driller killer. The driller killer. <laughs> and the New York Post headline reading, quote, mad wife at wheel. Which is so, f like, sh fuck you. This is, like, a horrible, horrible thing. You think his family is not seeing that being, like, cool. Yeah. Way to make it, like... Great, great tagline. Seriously, like... Yeah, some clickbait shit. Um, this really pissed me off. Morning talk show hosts were interviewing just about everybody that knew her. That doesn't piss me off. But the fact that late night comedians would use the story for punchlines on their episodes. <gasps> that's so fucked up. So when Clara emerged for her court appearance after her release from jail on a $30,000 bond, mm. nearly a dozen photographers were there to capture her every move, of course. Uh, it was very clear that she didn't want to get recognized because her hair was noted as going from reddish blonde to dark brown. Oh, gosh. She dyed it. Um, she sat in the courtroom between two of her friends, and she was noted as wearing a teal pantsuit, staring straight ahead, blinking back tears, and still wearing her wedding ring. Yeah. The audacity of Literally. this bitch. Her lawyer, George Parnum, was noted as saying that it was rare to find her not crying. He said that she was still having difficulty realizing that David wouldn't be coming home. And he also said that a couple of her close friends said that they had to, they felt that they needed to stay the night at her house for the following week or so because they worried that if they left, she would become suicidal. Clearly, she loved him yeah. a lot. But how do you... How do you use your love for someone to justify killing them? Seriously. Like, that's awful. Seriously. It's literally like the, if I can't have you, nobody can kind of yeah. attitude. Now, another thing that was mentioned by her friends and by her lawyer was that the only thing that kept her going was the uh, the twin boys, of course, and the fact that their fourth birthday was also coming up. Oh, my gosh. You know. uh, the media attention was horrible, of course, with the talk shows, but also with radio shows grabbing attention from listeners and taking callers' opinions. So someone said that Clara did not deserve to be severely punished for what she did, 
while others saying that David signed his death warrant the moment he left with Gail. Ew. Like, it's his fault. And some even blamed Gail entirely for his murder. So awful. Like, she already doesn't have enough guilt enough, Seriously. like, at all. Uh, Gail, like Clara, had gone into seclusion after David's death. There was a lot of speculation surrounding why she went, quote, into hiding, and reporters later found out this was not the only affair that she was accused of having. Oh. Or being involved in. No, during her divorce proceedings, which began in 1999, Stephen Bridges, her ex-husband, had claimed that Gail had been carrying on a romantic relationship with her best friend, Julie Knight. Hmm. She was married as well to a Charles Knight, and Charles had made the same allegations about Julie, saying that her and Gail were in a a romantic relationship together. So, Hmm. there was a lot of speculation before all of this happened that Gail was not very faithful, and she was known to be involved in affairs. That's all I'm going to say on that. I just wanted to point that out. It was never, like, confirmed. confirmed yeah. yeah. Now, Clara's trial began the following February from the murder, where Lindsay testified against her, obviously. Oddly. Uh, this is sad. Lindsay also claimed to have attempted suicide four times since her father's death. Oh, my God. She's I a know. baby. No, That's so sad. Also introduced at the trial was an actual video recording of the murder. What? Remember that private investigator she hired? <gasps> well, she's dumb because he was across the street watching the whole thing and recorded her serious? actually killing him. No. Yes. Yes. Wow. So that was like the nail. <laughs> like the nail in the coffin. Eyewitness accounts be damned, but private it's investigators. On video. It's on video. And you hired him. Yeah, literally. <laughs> you hired him. She's like, him. here, come watch me kill this guy. Right? <laughs> like, that just shows what her frame of mind was at, though. Of course. That she literally didn't even think about that. Yeah, you of know? course. Now, on February 14th, 2003, what would have been their 11th anniversary, Clara was found guilty of first-degree murder and sentenced to 20 years in prison and wow. fined $10,000. Now, 20 years, this is fucking awful 20 years is the maximum sentence allowed by the jury's quote sudden passion finding and would have been the minimum if the sudden passion was not the finding right so because it was a crime of passion the maximum you can give someone is 20 20. years but if it wasn't that it would have been the minimum which is right which well first degree murder without any uh like any other stipulations like yeah you know like insanity or passion or whatever yeah, then first-degree murder, of course, would be minimum would be 20. Awful. Especially in Texas. Yeah, of course. Especially in Texas. Uh, she was sent to the Mountain View unit in Gatesville, Texas, and was eligible for parole in 2013. Clara was released from prison <gasps> on parole. No, on she Friday, was not. May 11th, 2018. No, she was not. She's free. She smiled as she walked out of the crane unit of the prison and got into a car to leave. What kind Which of car? Like, Was it the Mercedes? Yeah. Mm-hmm. The same one. Uh, she's required to follow certain conditions, of course, which include no contact with her former in-laws or Lindsay or Gail. Wow. She must also not reside in any other county than Galveston while she's on parole, and she is required to wear an ankle monitor. LOL. Uh, <laughs> she remains on parole to this day with her parole ending February of 2023. That's incredible. She's I cannot out. believe that she's out. When was she sentenced? She was sentenced in 2003. Yeah. So she was, she only served 15 of her 20 years, which right. 20 years is absolutely redonkulous that she got 20 years. I mean, even more redonkulous than that is fucking 15 years. So yeah. that's ridiculous. Now, I do have a couple things to note on her mental uh, condition. Mm-hmm. 
she was never diagnosed with a mental disorder, but I do have some things I'd like to explain about uh, the sudden passion defense and the insanity defense and stuff like that. Uh, but there's also some disorders that can co-occur with a crime of passion that I also want to mention. So those just include um, ADHD, borderline personality disorder, conduct disorder, which I didn't know what conduct disorder was, but it's kind of self-explanatory. It usually occurs in teenagers, but it can yeah. it can go into adulthood. Yeah. Mm-hmm. And it's just a disorder that displays a pattern of disruptive behaviors mm-hmm. and violent behavior, right. trouble following rules, things yeah. like that. Now, I know we had mentioned a little bit in passing about a crime of passion. Um, if you are listening and you don't know what a crime of passion is, you're in luck because I'm going to explain what it is. I'm going to fucking tell you. Yeah. <laughs> now, um, a crime of passion is committed under extreme emotional circumstances and frequently involves discovering disturbing behavior on the part of a lover or spouse, which allegedly creates a state of temporary insanity on the person that's committing the crime. Um, so temporary insanity may be the more common defense than a crime of passion, and when used by a defendant in court, part of the goal is to get sentencing reduced or eliminated on a crime that the defendant has clearly committed like serious assault or murder but obviously did it because of some sort of fueled emotion or rage or right. you know yeah. it's not obviously 100% going to work and it's not actually acceptable everywhere some some states you're not allowed to even attempt to use that um, defense yeah because I'm sure there's like a lot that a lot of people that would argue like it doesn't matter if it's a crime like most crimes are crimes of some kind of yeah. passion yeah. right even if the drive is psychological it's yeah. still a passion of some kind. It is part of a desire or a want to do so. Yeah. So um, I did a little bit of digging into the insanity defense. Mm-hmm. There is actually four different types of insanity defense. I didn't know that. And it's not necessarily that there's four types, but there's four tests to determine what type of insanity defense is more like what would fit better with the specific uh-huh. instance. Yeah, certain, like, criteria that have to be met yeah. for certain categories. Okay. Yes, and, I mean, they're they're all a little bit different. So, I'm going to explain those four here because I thought it was really interesting. And, again, I want to do an entire episode on this, so I'm just going to give you spark notes, and then I'll definitely come back with a lot more information uh, later on. So, the four most important tests for determining legal insanity, the first one is called the M-Naughton rule, and you might have heard of that. Uh, M-Naughton? I, M-Naughton, like M-apostrophe-Naughton. It's okay. like a last name. Um, so this was actually named for Englishman Daniel McNaughton, who was found not guilty by reason of insanity in 1843 for murdering the prime minister's secretary. What? Um, it's used by a majority of states and is fundamental in establishing insanity defense. Hmm. With the M-Naughton rule, a defendant is deemed to be legally insane if he or she was unaware of what she was he or she was doing when the offense was committed, or even if the defendant knew what he or she was doing, the defendant was incapable of understanding that what they were doing was wrong. Okay. So pretty much, like, this person does not know right from wrong, and they didn't at the time of their crime. Mm-hmm. That's the not in rule. The next one is called the irresistible impulse test. In some cases, a defendant may know that his or her actions were wrong, but committed them because of an irresistible impulse. The irresistible impulse test is used by a number of states in combination with the not in rule. With the irresistible impulse test, the focus is on violation. Essentially, the test allows for a defendant to be not found guilty by reason of insanity if his his or her mental illness meant that, although recognizing the wrongness of the defense, he or she was compelled to commit the offense anyways. So you know it's wrong, but you can't help yourself from doing it, which but I think again, is a little silly. I think, like, again, I feel like that's... I see why some states don't have it. Yeah, some states are like, no. I feel like that's most people, Yeah, at least people that we've talked about... Um, like, even Andre Thomas, that's, like, 
a, a, a crime of passion, in my opinion, because it was honestly an isolated event. It happened this, I mean, of course he had some type of psychosis, but yeah. you know, it's, how do you not, how, like, what's the difference? Yeah. That's why it's, a lot it's of... It's a want, a need, a desire, a passion to do so. And, and you, and yeah. sometimes you feel compelled to do so because you feel like it's, I mean, this, for lack of a better term, helpful. Yeah. Or God's and, will. In Andrew God's Thomas's will. case. Yeah. 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 And that's why, I mean, this is one of the, I told you, this is one of the things I want to do is be able to determine these tests against the defendant. Mm-hmm. And unfortunately it's really, it's really, um, subjective and it. Yeah, it shouldn't be, but it is. But you can't help. But it can't help it to be subjective. Mm-hmm. You know, like it's like, do you think this person was insane? You can't look into someone's brain and say, "Yep, they're insane." Nope, they're not. Well, they you do, know, they do competency trials, right? So, yeah, like, of course. It's, you have a jury that determines whether or not they believe you fit under these categories. Yeah, but who's to say the defendant's not going to put on a show and just pretend? You yeah. know, or or not? You For know. Sure. But that's where you know people like you, like a forensic psychologist comes in and testifies for the defense or for the prosecution and says, you know, because of this, this, and this, you know, I believe it meets this criteria or Mm -hmm. it doesn't. And the jury has to listen to that and determine it. Yeah. Yeah. But, but still, you're always, no defense attorney would want me on that, (laughs) on that jury. (laughs) Yeah. Right. So the uh, third one is called the Durham rule. Mm -hmm. Today, this is actually only used in New Hampshire. The Durham Rule places a great deal of emphasis on scientific psychological evaluations and evidence. In most cases, juries follow the diagnosis made by trained professionals in determining whether the accused is guilty. This is what we were just talking about. This test has largely fallen out of favor, however, since it takes much of the decision-making abilities out of the jury and places it in the hands of the psychologist, Hmm. who sometimes may even disagree among themselves about a defendant's insanity. Yeah. So pretty much this rule says... If the psychologist says that they're insane, you gotta say that they're insane too. Mm-hmm. And that's why it's only used in New Hampshire. I don't know about New Hampshire, but that's why it's not used everywhere else. I'm not saying anything bad about them. I'm just Kristen saying. Gilbert's from New Hampshire, so yeah. <laughs> <laughs> and the last one is called the uh, Model Penal Code. It is an updated definition of the insanity defense and addresses some of the weaknesses of the above tests. See, the model... So they don't call it the insanity defense. They called it what? Yeah, yeah. it's called the Model Penal Code. Okay. Uh, I it, like that better than yeah. the insanity yeah, Are you insane? Or yeah. So the model penal code tends to be much broader than the relatively rigid M. Naughton rule, but also incorporates the centrality of the defendant's volition that is addressed by the irresistible impulse test. Mm. As such, it's usually used by states that do not use the M. Naughton rule, and the model penal code, code also prohibits psychopaths and sociopaths from using the insanity defense. Hmm. So people like Charlie Manson or Ted Bundy... They're ruled as a, a psychopath, sociopath. They are not allowed to even try. To yeah. Use insane, even though they did when they were in court, yeah. but just as an example. Right. So, yeah, the four tests that I just described are the most important ones for helping a court to determine a defendant's claim that he or she was legally insane when an offense was committed. While the insanity defense has long been controversial, of course, these tests help ensure that criminal justice remains fair, even in cases involving severe, severe mental illness. Yes. So, with all of that, um, I do believe that Clara Harris's crime was a crime of passion. However, yeah. I don't by any means think that she's insane or was insane at the time of her crime. Mm-hmm. And I definitely don't know if I agree with the fact that she only got <laughs> 20 years I and don't. then served 15. Like, I that's think that's ridiculous. Yeah. I, I feel like there's a lot of other instances, and not to compare like apples and oranges or apples and you know, green apples and red apples, but um, I don't. I don't think that there's any justification for taking another person's life. I don't care if you, if you love your husband or whatever. Like, I don't know. Is that like 
an emotional immaturity? Is it a mental immaturity that you think that that's... I think it might be both. It's got to be emotional immaturity for sure. But the thing is, is that not only did she murder somebody, she also put the lives of Two, two multiple of the people yeah. in danger because who, who else knows who's in the parking lot you know That's who else true. was in the parking who else lot was walking to their car she, she killed an innocent person created not that he, david wasn't innocent but yeah yeah she created years of mental illness ptsd whatever what have you with Lindsay, Lindsay. and gail yeah those are all crimes in my opinion you know what i mean I like attempted filed civil lawsuit so i did see that Lindsay uh did file a civil lawsuit against clara okay yeah i was wondering about that yeah so it says here oh it's a federal lawsuit but yeah uh she was quoted as saying quote i saw my stepmother clara harris kill my father david l harris by hitting him with her mercedes benz she said this in an affidavit attached mm-hmm. to her federal lawsuit and then it was filed on her on her behalf by her mother deborah okay Deborah also mentioned in the filing that her daughter tried to stop Clara Harris, but, quote, despite her efforts, she was forced to witness the death of her father. That's so sad. I know. She also asked that a temporary restraining order be issued to freeze David Harris's estate so that Clara Harris, who had been charged with murder, couldn't benefit from it. Hell this yeah. is before she was convicted. Yeah. And she is also mentioned as saying that his estate should go to his three children, not her. Because she was the sole heir of the estate. Ew. Yeah, yeah, I know. It should definitely go to the twins and Lindsay. Yeah. For sure. And the lawsuit was filed in federal court, not civil, because they didn't live, they were living in Ohio. So it wasn't, you know what I mean? Like they weren't in Texas. So it had to be like a oh, federal I thing see. rather than. Yeah. yeah. And then the three year old twin boys ended up living with relatives after this. Oh. I know. It's so sad. That is sad. Yeah. So that's the case. Um, that's that's an a suggestion case. from Mary, but yeah. that, that is- I didn't know. I, I had heard about the case, of course, because, you know, we were at an age at that point where, I mean, especially you, you were a little bit older than me. You probably remember hearing about it yeah, you know, on the I news did. and stuff. Um, and it was so close was... to home. And just content warning really quick. If you want to do your own research on this case, that video is very easy to find. Just to let everyone mm. know, I did come across it when I was researching. Yeah. Um, it's not super graphic because it's a little far away, but it also is out there. So yeah. if you're searching, you might come across that. I just like to let people know that because when mm. I stumble across something that I didn't intend to look at, I'm like, oh, oh, oh you yeah, know, like, yeah. especially in the... Uh, the Richard Chase case. Mm-hmm. Oh man, that was like horrible. And I didn't Too mean much. to see that. And I was in class when I saw that. I was like, yikes. <laughs> you know? Anyway, speaking of class, we're both done with school. I know. So excited. We're going like, to. At least for a few weeks. Yeah. We're going to give you guys this episode, hopefully by Monday night. And then we're going to do a mental breakdown that's going to come out, I think, pretty early this week. Thank mm-hmm. you guys all again for being so patient with yeah, us. We've thanks, been guys. so busy, but um, we're definitely going I to... Y'all. I missed you. I know, seriously. <laughs> I know, this little tiny closet. And please be on the lookout for us in Great Day SA. If you don't live in the area and you don't somehow get that channel, and maybe you might be able to find it on the internet. I think they internet. do YouTube channels. You, yeah, you could do YouTube or something, but we'll let you guys know as soon as we have like an for air sure. date for that. Because if we do the interview tomorrow, where it's not going to air tomorrow, you know, it'll probably be a week Ugh. or so before it comes out. Yeah. But, nervous. I know. I have to go. I have to go suit shopping. Okay. Well, we love you guys very much. You can follow us on Instagram at Diagnosing a Killer. We have Twitter at Killer Diagnosis. We have a Patreon, patreon.com slash Diagnosing a Killer. We also have an email, diagnosingakiller at gmail.com. And yeah, thanks for listening to us. We love you. Love you. Bye. Bye. We love you.